Amen. If you're here to be part of our dedication service, thank you. Thank you for committing to help these kids grow up in Jesus and to know the reality of him. Uh, we, uh, interestingly, are going to talk about something I think is fitting since we have a uh, baby dedication. You worried about that blocking the view of me? Yeah, I, I figured, you know. I need, a, I need like a raised platform. Oh, wait, I'm on a raised platform. Anyway, um, we're going to talk today about a life lived for God. And uh, we're going to Psalm 8611 to open with today. Psalm 8611, I believe it will be up on our screens. Psalm 8611 says this. Teach me your way, O Lord. I will walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. There is something in all of us, something in humanity that is driven for excellence. From the beginning of time, humanity is kicked against the restraints of the known and the safe to reach for the next horizon, to stretch to the next impossibility, to begin to see the impossible achieved, that greatness might be reached. There's something in each of us that yearns to stretch for the next frontier. If you notice, um, you know, for years, it was always about exploring the next place, and we're running out of places to explore. And people are beginning to dig deeper into things. We've got research going on at great universities like Penn State and Ohio State and other great universities around the country uh, that are studying like our genomes. They're, they're breaking down the DNA. They're trying to find exactly how our bodies work, how we can begin to work at literally the molecular level to begin to change people because, because there's something about us that is always stretching for the next frontier. Something about mankind wants to be excellent. And excellence comes from the word to excel. That just simply means to be superior. I do believe that, that this characteristic of mankind, this, this driving force in us that, that moves us to be great on very different fields. Um, this week I had the privilege of going and seeing uh, Colin Binford go score his 50th goal. It was pretty awesome. And, uh, you know, that doesn't come just because you woke up one morning and thought, eh, I think I'm going to go score my 50th today. Something in him drove him to that. And whether or not you are an athlete, maybe, you, maybe, you're, maybe you've got two left feet, can't dance, can't run too fast, can't do a bunch of stuff physically, but maybe, maybe you're real smart and you study hard. Or, or maybe you're a great mechanic. Or maybe you just love hard. There's something in each of us that, that pushes us to be more than we are just in our current state. And I believe that that, that drive comes from God. When you look at Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, 
Scripture says this. It says, and God blessed them, speaking of the making of man. And he said to them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over everything that moves on the earth. There was, there's something that God made in us that calls us to achieve. It literally is in our DNA. I believe that, that God created, when he shaped Adam and Eve, when he formed man out of dust and he pulls a rib later out of, out of Adam's side and, and creates a woman. God made in their very DNA a desire to be fully his image. And that demanded, that demands that we take dominion. God created you, hear me. God created you for excellence. In what? Well, in your calling. Well, what if you're not called to like be some preacher dude or preacher chick? What if you're called to do other things? It doesn't matter what your calling is. What matters is that you were created and called. God made you for a reason. And so that brings up two questions. What is my calling and how do I get there? And so today I want to kind of unpack that for you. Is that all right? So uh, I want to kind of tell you a story. So um, back about, well, 20 years ago now, when I first got Jesus, or Jesus got me, um, I went to, you know, a good old Pentecostal church, and, and God radically transformed my life. I was, I was your, your classic uh, mess, and, um, and God just moved in my life and made me just a wild man for him. And uh, sometimes, anyone ever been there? Like, you were like wild child, and then all of a sudden, like, God saves you, and like, you go from over here, and like, the pendulum swings, and you're like, Vroom. and you're like, way over here for Jesus, and you're like, ah! And anyone ever been there? Uh, okay. So, as lost as I was, and as passionate as I was in my lostness, God brought me full circle and brought me over here where I started just being a wild man for him. And um, there's crazy stories. I could tell you bad ones. Anyway, um, I was at a funeral of a dear friend of mine a couple weeks ago, and a buddy of mine reminded me about this time when I was in that wild man phase. And there was a whole lot less wisdom then, you understand. Uh, you can't be generally, you can be wild, probably wise and, and wild, but I didn't find that until much later. Um, I was just wild. And less wise. And, um, and so I remember going to a, a restaurant one time with my buddy. And he was in the youth group. And I took him. And I'm like, I'm going to buy you some, some frozen custard. If you've ever been to Wisconsin. If you've never had frozen custard. You have got to go to Wisconsin if for no other reason than to go get some frozen custard. Because it will make you happy. <laughs> it's wonderful. It's the best ice cream you've ever had in your life. And... Um, and I was there. We went to go get some frozen custard after church on Sunday night. And we had just had a teardown, you know, people laying all over the place. And God had moved. And, and so there were these other people there that looked very, like they just come out of church. And, and so I came up to him and I was like, hey, did you go to church tonight? Yes, we did. Okay, was your service good? Yeah, it was great. So, so do you guys, are you guys full gospel? Do you speak in tongues at your church? And he said, uh, no. I said, well, you should. 
That was when I was less wise. That was one of those less wise comments. But see, that's where I was. It was kind of just wild. I was just trying to just, I wanted everyone to get what I got. And, um, and I had this friend who uh, was going to church with me who was raised in church. You know, he, he was like your classic good Christian kid. He, uh, he was probably my opposite at that time. I'm wild. He's like conservative. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm kind of like, uh, you know, like just, just got into church and, and he's raised in church and, and, uh, he just, we were complete opposites. I worshiped like a wild man all across the front and he would like just very solemnly worship the Lord. And, um, and we were talking one day and, and I was asking him, about things. And he said, you know, I really appreciate David. I appreciate your worship. I appreciate what God's doing in your life right now. And we started talking about calling, and I had just really started feeling like God was calling me into the ministry. And, um, and he said this one thing, and I've never forgotten it. He said this. He said, you know, I always have wanted to really give my life to God. He said, but I've always been scared to surrender it all. Because I, I, I just, I don't want him to send me to like Africa or something. And that struck me. It struck me because I think that so many times we come in here and we sing our songs and we worship the king and, and all of these things. But, but we generally hold just a little bit back. We, we live for God, we're Christians, we pay our tithes, we, we talk to people about him, we, we do all these things, we live right, we, we live holy, we, we don't do crazy stuff, we don't drink, smoke, cuss, chase girls, chase men, whatever the situation might be there. We live for God as best as we know how, but, but we live for him about 90%, or maybe 95%. And I think that that's because we misunderstand God. I think that, that so many of us in this room, I just kind of explained where we are. And we may not say it out loud like my friend did. We may not say, well, I'm scared that he'll send me to Africa. You may be scared that he'll send you to Detroit or Philly or New York. Because I know you country folks get nervous when you start talking about large cities. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but I think that we so often we misunderstand God to a point, and some of us are are uncomfortable with the idea of really giving God one hundred percent because we are going. What is He going to do? What does that look like? See, but it's easier than you think. I, I want to kind of pull this down because a lot of times we talk about this like it's way up here. Or sometimes like it's way up there. Like it's out of reach. And I want to kind of bring it down to where maybe, maybe just maybe, you might see today that it might be time. And it's not maybe what you think. You might be wondering, what does God want from me? But this is the better question. What did God make you for? What did God make you for? God made you to be a disciple. 
What is a disciple? A disciple is a follower of Jesus. And what's really cool, and this is my favorite thing, you're going to hear this about 100 million times before I die, and you all get a new pastor. You're going to hear this over and over, but when Jesus called the disciples, you know what he did? He didn't like go, well, do you believe that I'm the Son of God? Check. Do you believe that there's only one God? Check. Do you believe he didn't go through this list? He said, you, follow me. And then he went to the next guy. You, follow me. Until he had around him a group of people who had chosen to follow him. See, that's all that a disciple is. It's a follower of Jesus. And, and the key is not to try to figure out what is the end game. I don't always know where he's leading me. But I know who I'm following. See, you don't have to know. You don't have to know the destination if you know who's leading you. Sometimes parents, okay, we got a whole group of like parents that came up here today. You know, sometimes you're going to tell your kids, do this. And you're, they're going to go, well, why? And you'd be like, because I said so. That's not a good answer, by the way, after about six. But that's beside the point. This is not a parenting class today. Um, but there are times that it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what exactly the destination is if you know who you're following. If you trust the one who's leading you, then you can follow them anywhere, knowing that they're in control. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Follow him. When you do that, what you will find is that suddenly something breaks out in your life where suddenly you have an ability to be able to do things you've never done before. You'll be able to enter into places and walk into the power of the Spirit and see God begin to do stuff that you have dreamt of just because you let go of your 5% or your 10% or your 15% and you decided, hey, I'm just following him. The disciples found this out. Luke chapter 10, verse 1. It says, after this, the Lord appointed 72. This is not even the 12. Get this. This is not the 12. This is 72. He appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was to go. Now check this out. You drop down about 17 verses. And it says this. The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons are subject to us. In your name. And he replied and he said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Now hear this. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. And nothing will harm you. I remember when I, the first devil I ever cast out of somebody. I had had the Holy Ghost. Well, I guess, let me see. I had the Holy Ghost like two years. Because I was married, and uh, my wife and I had company. <laughs> you always want to screen who you have for company. Because they might show up with the devil, and then you got to deal with it. Um, so, so we had company, and, and um, this lady's over, and, and she, we're talking, and, and she starts to cry. And, and all of a sudden, 
I'm like, oh, Lord. And I, of course, I, I break in. I'm like, God, just, just touch your daughter right now. And just, you know, she was backslidden. Uh, go touch her, Lord. Let her feel your love. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, it's like, Rah! I mean, literally, it was like the exorcist. It was crazy. The only thing that was missing was like the levitation and the head spin. I mean, that was it. She's puking on my floor. She's like, voices, ah, nah, ah. I was like, okay, we got a devil here. My wife's going around. We're living in a very nice little area of uh, Milwaukee called Wauwatosa. Very, very, uh, very nice little she-she cool area. All these yuppies. She's like closing all the drapes, closing the windows. <laughs> See, but what I found out was that we have power and authority over the devil that day. And when that lady... That devil came out of that lady and left her, and she was filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It set her free, and, and I saw that day in real life, what the Scripture talks about, that you have power and authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and overcome all the power of the enemy. See, but that's in you. That's in you. If you're a believer, that's in you. But then also there you find not just that you have power and authority, but that you have purpose. Those same 72, as Jesus said to them in verses 2 through 3 of Luke 10, he told them the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send workers into his field. Now, check this out. Go. I am sending you out. Like lambs among wolves. And what's amazing is if you put your power and your purpose together, you start finding out that you have something else. You have something called fulfillment. 2 Timothy 2, or excuse me, 2 Timothy 4, 7 through 8. Paul is at the end of his life and he says this incredible statement. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. See, when you start to step into just simply following him, you don't know where God's going to lead. But the one thing we do know is this, you will get where you're supposed to go. The reason that, that people end up losing it later in life, I've, I've known people, 70-year-old men, leave their wives to go hook up with some chick after a life lived with this lady. Why does that happen? Because they were going through life and they were walking through the steps that the world told them would be success. And they, they made the money and they had the promotions and they traveled the world and all those things. But they never found fulfillment. They never arrived where they were called to be because they never followed the shepherd. See, but God doesn't want that for you. God called each of you, each and every one of you. From the smallest child that was dedicated today to the oldest elder in this room, God has called you to be a world changer. God has called you to be a planet shaker. God has called you to be a history maker. God wants for his people to rise. And that's why he calls us to be kings and priests. 
Revelation, twice in the book of Revelation, one in Revelation 1.6 and the other in Revelation 5.10. 5.10 says this, and he has made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign. Everyone say that with me. We shall reign on the earth. This is our calling This is our place in the world. This is our destiny. That is not to say that we are some kind of radical militant group. There's nobody, well, you guys might, but in real, in normal urban places, there's no stockpile of guns anywhere. (laughs) I've got to remember where I am now. But they are not for the purpose of overtaking the government or anything crazy. They're for hunting animals with big horns, right? Antlers, not horns. Cows have horns, deer have antler. I'm getting it. I'll get there. I'll get there. Our destiny is to reign in the Spirit. Our destiny is to move as we follow Jesus Christ into the fullness of our callings, to enter into the place of purpose where we can enter into where God calls us to, to reign. Because where I reign is different than where you're going to reign. But this one thing happens, we will reign. Because we're called to be kings and priests. Kings do what? They reign. The kingdom of God is what we establish in the world wherever we are. When we reign over it, when we enter into our place and we reign according to God's will, our call is to then take dominion and have that dominion establish God's order and God's kingdom in our environment. Priests is the other side of the spectrum. Kings reign, but priests mediate. They stand between God and humanity. They they stand between The God who is all-powerful, but he's also holy. He's love, but he's also righteous. And because he's righteous, there is automatically our darkness, our dirtiness, our sinfulness is in the front to him. And in the reality of life, that, that he is light. And in him is no darkness. And a priest stands between this holy God and and an unholy people and, and mediates between the two. We stand between God and humanity and we try to bring them together. Just this last week was Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur is the day of atonement where once a year the high priest would go behind the curtain and and sprinkle seven times blood upon the mercy seat. And the reason, if you read it carefully, the reason is to atone for God's presence among an unholy people. See, God wants to be with us. And priests mediate between God and fallen man to allow for that connection to come. And so... We then come in and we pray and we witness and we live for God in lifestyle. We, we show them who he is. But see, this king and this priest role that you have, God wants to use you. But what's awesome about God, what I love, I, this may be one of those things I love most about God, 
is that he wants you to do it your way. It doesn't mean like you just do it your way any way you want to. It means that it's got your thumbprint on it. You can't be me, you know. I'm 5'6", 178 pounds. I, uh, I've done all different things than you all have. We come with different packages, but what's awesome is that, that if you do what you're supposed to do, Pastor Arlen, and I do what I'm supposed to do, and Caroline does what she's supposed to do, and then all of a sudden we, we in our own individual ways, in our own individual places in life, we become kings and priests. And we begin to change the world as God designed you to. I love that God doesn't, doesn't make you like me and doesn't make me like you. You know, I, um, I come out of a group, and some of you will relate. I come out of a very conservative group of Christianity where, where uh, ladies wore skirts and they had long hair. And, and um, you know, the men, like, were clean cut and clean shaven and all that stuff. And, and it, they were trying to make us all look the same. And, and the reason was because they thought that that reflected God. But see, when I go out to the fields and I look at the flowers, they may be the same kind of flower, but they're all just a little different. You are created by God, by the master craftsman of this world. And he made you on purpose. And God wants you to be you. But he wants you to be fully you. When I was a kid, and I told the teenagers this on Sunday, last week. When I was a kid, and I heard people preach, and I heard them, you know, talk about Jesus and, and the, all this stuff, I, I thought that I was going to have no fun. It was officially going to be no fun. I was like, no. No. I mean, that means I probably can't play football. The way that I, I, I was, um, I probably, I can't, God knows I can't date her. And, um, and, and there's all these things I can't do. And I looked at all the things I couldn't do, and, and I'm like, that's not me. See, but what I didn't understand is that God didn't ma- want to make me like the preacher. God wanted to make me the best me that I could be. God doesn't want you to be anything like me. He, he doesn't want you to, to shrink three inches or six or a foot. He, he doesn't want you to dye your hair black or, or go half-shaven up to the platform. <laughs> he wants you to be you, but he wants you to be the best you. He wants you to be the redeemed you. See, when you don't know Jesus, all that you know, or if you're giving 85%, all you know is the 85%. If you're giving 95%, all you know is the 95%. You don't know what God really made you for. All you've got the picture of is the unredeemed self and whatever else you've allowed God to have. But if you will begin today to say, Lord, I just want to be the you you created me to be. What you'll find is that things don't really change all that much except your focus. See, when I got saved, I didn't stop being a Green Bay Packer fan. This is going to be fun with us for a while. Um, I didn't stop loving football. I didn't stop loving working out. I didn't stop loving running. I didn't stop, you know, all the things I was. I just got better. 
And what you'll find is that God wants you to just simply be the best that he created you to be. Some of you, he might send to Africa, straight up. Some of you, you know, he might send to Canada, Pennsylvania. But wherever he sends you, if he just sends you down into the factory to shine his light there and that that's where you're supposed to reign, then that's what you were created for. The best soul winner I've ever known was a manager of a Walmart. He was created to reign. God took him from, from being this kid stocking shelves to being the, the, the manager, the head manager of an entire 24-hour Walmart in Waukesha, Wisconsin. And that man, in one year's time, won about 100 people to God. And what's amazing is, is like all the preachers, so all the preachers go, wow, we got a soul winner here, so what do we want to do? We want to make him a preacher, right? That boy couldn't preach to save his life. And then they tried to put him on staff at a church, and you know what? He started, he went from winning 100 people in a year to winning about 20. You know why? Because they pulled him out of the place he was reigning in. So many times we try to spiritualize all of this and, and make it something that, that God's like, just shut up and leave it alone. Find out where God wants you to be and be there. Be in that place. Be a king and a priest right there because if you do, then you'll find that God can use you to transform your world. We don't have enough room for the people God wants to save in this region. I don't care if we blow back the walls, build another building. I don't care what we do. We don't have enough room for the people that God wants to save. But the only way we're getting remotely close to that is if you begin to do your thing, and 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 you begin to do your thing, and, you to do your thing, and we together become the kingdom to this region. Because that, my brothers and sisters, is what living for God is. It is being fully you, following him. That's it. Does that sound easy? You've got to decide. You've got to decide that you want him. That you want to end up in the place that God created you for. You've got to decide that you want to put him in the place that you see his purpose is established in your life. Wouldn't it be cool? Wouldn't it just be cool if, if you started shining at work and say a month from now, right here, is the lady you've been praying for for the last five years? And you just let go of that 5% and you just said, I'm, I'm going to just shine for him. And suddenly she's up here and tears are streaming down her face and she's got her hands lifted and God comes and transforms her life. Wouldn't that be just cool? See, but it, begun, it begins with this one decision. I will not hold back. I will not hold back. Lord, my life is yours. And as the band comes, and we're going to sing a little song, and we're going to worship a little bit, but I, I, don't, I don't want us just to sing a song. I don't want us just to go, you know, to lunch. I want you to think right now, what is the reservation you're holding back? What, what are you holding on to that is keeping you from becoming 
just a fully devoted follower of Jesus. Because this is the thing. What's amazing about whatever it is you're holding on to is at the end of this life, as you're sitting maybe in a hospital bed and people are coming and visiting you, you're going to have a lot of time to think. And what I don't want for any one of you as you lay there and you think about your life, I don't want you to say, I wonder what my life would have been like if I'd allowed myself to really live for God. Because then it'll be too late. But right now, everyone in this room has an opportunity. And if you don't know Jesus... Today's a good day to meet him. And if you know him and you've given him 50% or 75% or 95%, it's time to decide. I'm just going to follow him. I'm not going to try to figure it out. I'm just going to follow Jesus. But right now, I want to pray for you. And if you feel like you want to commit yourself 100% to God. I'm not going to ask you to come forward unless you want to. If you want to come up here and pour it out before the Lord, if you want to come up here, if you need to find Jesus, come. If you need healing in your body, come. But I'm not going to ask you to come. It's, it's not about me. It's about you and him right now. But if you've decided you want to give it all, you want to just follow him, I'm going to pray for you. Let's pray.